0: So welcome to the family gathering of Cultivate. I'm Pete. Um, most of you know me. Some of you are waving. Thank you. <laughs> it's really a pleasure to be here and, and an honor to share with you. And you get to put up with my English accent for a whole 30 or 40 minutes. Um, yeah. So if I say something you don't understand, ask a neighbor. We're, um, we're studying the uh, Colossians, and we've... Um, got to number five of a 12-week series, and we've just about finished the whole of chapter one, which is curious because that's not halfway. But anyway, um, we're we're moving through Colossians, and maybe we'll pick up some pace. So to remind you, uh, it's Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, which is a small city which is about 100 miles to the east of Ephesus, kind of in the middle of Asia Minor there where Turkey is now. Um, it was about 12 miles from another place you may know called Laodicea. Um, there's no letter to the Laodiceans, but they are uh, mentioned in the letter to the Colossians. And it's also, I found, quite close to a town you think you know, which is called Philadelphia. Um, but it's not the Philadelphia you know, it turns out. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's the Philadelphia, probably the original, that was uh, kind of in the middle of Turkey there. Uh, They were on a trade route, and it was quite important in the Roman Empire, but then gradually started to uh, dwindle in in some significance. And the church at Colossae is about four years old. Sound familiar? Yeah. All right, four years old and close to Philadelphia. This has got to be good, right? So two weeks ago, Aaron reminded us um, that suffering for Christ is an act of worship, he looked on Paul's attitude in, that, uh, in his current situation running from prison in Rome. So I thought this week we should look at suffering again because, you know, I don't see you suffering enough. Um, okay, that was a joke. Um, this week we're going to look at uh, Paul's passion for the church and for Christ and for disciples and, and see what he's up to in that regard. So, first of all, somebody I promised, I can't remember who it was, I promised that we'd look at some, uh, some pictures. So uh, I, I got some um, pictures. This is my grandson. So this last year, as many of you know, has been a quite a busy time for the Burroughs family. We've had uh, two weddings. I have uh, a new daughter-in-law, a new son-in-law, and I have a grandson. Um, this is him up in the top left There is That's my hand. He was so small. Um... And then, uh, obviously, you know, a year makes quite a bit of difference, doesn't it? And he's kind of uh, grown up a little bit. So, um, one of the good things about grandchildren, which I know some of you know and some of you are still yet to find out, is um, when he's smiling, you can play with him. And when he's not smiling, you can give him back to his mother. (laughs) Very good. Some while ago um 36 years ago i asked fiona to marry me and children and grandchildren were not in my mind at the time um i think what was in my mind at the time was to have a partner to share life with and i have that and i'm really blessed in that um and what happened beyond that was all part of life's adventure but see this is where the adventure leads and isn't it wonderful he is so gorgeous um, so we have children, we have grandchildren, a few hundred dogs and cats, and life marches on. And it's, it's such a joy now, it's become such a joy. Uh, it's taken a while, but, but we're there. And I think as, as I reflect on life, you know, you kind of do that as you get older, um, I recognize that uh, there's really only one thing of eternal significance. And that's investing yourself in the lives of others because lives are eternal. And, you know, so it's, that can be children, it can be grandchildren, and it can be others. So, why am I talking about this, you ask? Well, I promised I'd talk about this, but (laughs) also, um, I'm thinking about Paul. Paul, Paul, Was never married, so far as we know. He had no children, as far as we know. He didn't visit Colossae directly. So these people that he's writing to, he's never met. Um, He's only heard about their faith by others. But here's what struck me. The Christians at at the church of Colossae, the Colossians, they're his spiritual grandchildren. And his spiritual great-grandchildren. You know, he's heard about their faith through others. But it's others that he has trained, that he has brought to Christ, that have then gone and, and made a difference in that city. And these folk that he's writing to now are his spiritual children and his grandchildren. And his passion for them, you know, is at least as great as our passion for our children and our grandchildren. That's where Paul is. He's in Rome, but his passion is for these people. He was the principal apostle, obviously, to um, the church in Asia Minor, ultimately, really, to the church in Rome as well. Um, Epaphras was probably the uh, founder of the church at Colossae, and he is now with Paul in Rome, presumably telling him the stories of how the church has been growing. And they and their future is more important to him than. His own life, that's where he is right now. So if we look at the first verse of Colossians chapter 2, and let's just read that together. It says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. And you can see in that first verse in in that chapter that he has this inward struggle. Um, I think partly that's um, in prayer. Uh, uh, spiritual warfare but also you know his presence in Rome is a distraction to the Roman authorities which prevents perhaps some of the persecution and uh, and challenge to the church in other places in the Empire so he is struggling on their behalf um, in the previous chapter we had uh, we had this him we, him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom That we may present everyone mature in Christ. And then he says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So Paul is giving everything for the furtherance of the gospel. His whole life is poured out for that. He knows he can't reach everyone. He's never going to go to every city in Asia Minor. And the gospel has to spread a different way. And he's pouring himself out for his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren in Christ that, that are in this place that he's writing to right now. So let's turn our minds back for a moment to what Jesus said just before he ascended into heaven the piece we call the Great Commission. Remember that? Most of you remember that, I think. Um, amongst the last words of Jesus before, um, before he rose. And He said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So how does this work? I, I, I um, pondered this verse as a young believer in my late teenage years. So that's probably the first time I pondered it. Um, it's to me, it's truly profound, and there's a there's a recursion here in my understanding. I'll explain that. Um, we make disciples, and then we do what? Baptise them, and then we teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded us. And what did he command? Go and make disciples. Do you follow me? <laughs> Part of his teaching was to go and make disciples. And as we make disciples, we teach them to go and make disciples. So one disciple makes another disciple, teaches him to make disciples. Then there are two Then both make another disciple, and then there are four, and then there are eight. Is that right? You know I'm going to start on the math in a minute, don't you? You know, I don't have an MD, but I have a maths major. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, how So how could it work, thinking about this? How could it work? Someone doesn't become a disciple because they wear the right t-shirt, right? Even if it's a cultivate t-shirt, it doesn't work. Um, It can't happen in a moment. There needs to be teaching. There needs to be learning. There needs to be life on life to make a disciple. Gradual maturity, growing up into Christ. So, God's plan is about multiplying disciples where that can happen. Teaching them to observe everything that I commanded you and life on life. It's the only way. It's the Great Commission. I know when I was a student, when I was an 18-year-old student, and um, I made the decision to follow Christ, a student friend of mine, a couple of years older than me, his name was Ray, he came alongside me to teach me and it was that relationship it was a discipling relationship he wanted to help me grow as a disciple and he took the time and the trouble to come alongside to teach yes but also to train so to do things together that's how you learn in training and and to just transmit to just be life with me um, we uh, the eventually four of us um, including Ram, myself, shared a house together, um, really, for the next two years, and, and re-discipled me during that time. And I saw this in action, and I'm so blessed that uh, he took the opportunity and the time to do that. I saw it work. So Paul knew that he couldn't preach to everyone. He knew that there was no way he's going to get to every city. And he knew that even if he did that, the result was probably not right. It wasn't God's plan to just convert people. It wasn't God's plan to make them T-shirt holders. It was God's plan to bring them into relationship with him and to have them grow up into him, into Christ, to, to come close to God and to know God, to commune with him, to trust him. That was his plan. And that required life on life. It required... The approach of multiplying disciples and that's why it's described that way in the Great Commission do you have spiritual children grandchildren that's a that's a challenging question isn't it and it's a challenging for me too that that we should ask ourselves that are we investing in lives one two life on life is that a priority for us to help others to grow into Christ, because for Paul that is his overwhelming passion. That is the purpose of his life. That is everything poured out now, for disciples to grow and to be strong. That's what he's about. To the math. Um, so you've uh, you've recognised the geometric progression, right? One. 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, ratio is 2, nth term is 2 to the n. Yeah, you got it? Good. Where well, n is the number of steps. No, okay. So, big if, big if. If each of us made one disciple per year, who in turn made one disciple each per year, how long do you think it would take to reach the world? It's, it reaches 8 billion in 33 years, if you start from one. So the answer is less than 33 years, if you start from one. And we're not one, by the way. <laughs> we're not one. Now I know that feels like a scam, uh, or an illegal pyramid scheme, <laughs> which it kind of is, because the assumption of one generation a year is kind of unrealistic, and dropouts aren't allowed, and that's kind of unrealistic too. But it illustrates the point well. Making disciples who make disciples is the effective way to reach the world. And it's God's chosen way to reach the world. So Paul is pouring himself out to make disciples. Not just children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. To the direction that Jesus had given to his church. And that's his life. That's his life. So pondering on that and thinking about what that means for us. We'll come back to it in a moment. My next question is, why? What is it? Why? So let's read a bit more from Colossians and see if we can pick that up. I was going to go back, first of all, to a a verse we had two weeks ago, in the passage we had two weeks ago, and it says this. I have become its, that's the church's, servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory so you see I kind of changed the color of the word mystery there I like that word Um, My wife uh, Fiona likes mysteries, whodunit mysteries, murder mysteries, detective mysteries, who stole my slippers, mysteries, things like that. Um, But this is an epic, I have to tell you, this is an epic. Um, I'm I'm personally, when it comes to movies, I'm more into action and sci-fi, but uh, the the mystery with lots of twists and turns and, and surprises, very good. I'm sure some of you are like that. Why do you think Paul uses the word mystery? twice here and we get to talk sometimes in, in the way we uh we work here so you can you can talk back to me if, if you wish why do you think paul uses the word mystery twice here thoughts it's important okay thank you yeah why is it a mystery it's not a mystery to you guys is it that's the problem yes huh? <laughs> ron so it's a mystery in the sense that the whole thing is kind of unseen isn't it? yeah, yeah, that's good yeah <laughs> uh-huh I like the piece where it says hidden for ages and generations that previous verse hidden for ages and generations that that's that that's something of the mystery here that God had a plan from the very beginning, but for thousands of years it was unclear. Or maybe it was clear to only a very few privileged. So you don't think it was even clear to them, the patriarchs and the prophets, they had glimpses. Yeah, they had glimpses. That's kind of like a good mystery, isn't it? There's a, um, there's a lot of clues. <laughs> Yeah, which kind of don't make sense till you get to the end. You know how that works? Um, then you want to watch the movie again, I know. But there's, that's something of the mystery, I think. Um, there's, in the next part of chapter 2, there, this comes out again. Let's read that bit. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's strong, isn't it? That they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So part of it is about the hidden, is discovering the hidden. That's part of it um i think as well though it's it's a mystery because it's so profound um this this mystery that we're discussing has divided human history into two bc and ad it really has um it's it's an epic beyond epics when when i say epic what comes to mind What? Gigantic? What is epic? Tell me something that's epic. Hurricane Sandy was epic. Okay. I'll give you that. Yep. Epic. Big movies. Name one. Ten Commandments. Gladiator. Wow. Shawshank Redemption. Huh? Oh, I was going to Ben-Hur? <laughs> it's a long time since I've seen Ben-Hur now. What an epic. Epic. This is an epic beyond all epics. This mystery of God. In the garden. God said to the serpent. I will put enmity. Between you and the woman. Between your your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. And you will strike his heel. Who is the he? Where did that come from? We know now. That's Jesus. But it's in Genesis 3. You move on to Abraham. He says, God says this to Abraham. It's not going to appear. I'll read it to you. Because you've done this and have not withheld your son. This was in the uh, the sacrifice or God asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky as the sand on the seashore your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me that was around 2000 bc that one all the nations of the earth will be blessed what a mystery to the prophet Isaiah, around 700 BC. Some of these we read a lot uh, around Christmas time because um, they, they work for us then. But think about these for a minute. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Wow, 700 BC. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, has a light dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 700 BC. To Jeremiah around the same time, God said, The time is to coming. coming, declares the Lord, "Well, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Um, Back to Isaiah. See, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am laying a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. God is. They're clues, aren't they? You're getting it. Clues to the mystery. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, again in Isaiah, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm. In the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. Wow. Then in Isaiah 53, you you know this passage well, I'm sure. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Who? Who? The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then it says, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. These are all clues to the mystery, guys. Prophecies, messages to the patriarchs. In general, he says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. I'm still looking for a vision. We're living in the revelation of God's plan. Really we are. Christ is in us. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. The mystery of God is what we have. Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. can know that we have that and paul knew that he understood the magnitude of the mystery that was revealed in christ and it was enough for him to give his life and pour out his life it's the why it's why he strives for his spiritual children for his for his grandchildren for his great-grandchildren because he has seen the mystery of Christ, the mystery of Christ, and he's taken hold of it, and it's making sense of life like nothing before has ever done Paul continues he comes to a so then so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness so as well as making disciples we and i think paul is explaining that to us here have a responsibility to grow as disciples see that's not the responsibility of our pastor or our church leader or our group leader it's primarily about life decisions that we make and the first comes with the second you need to grow as as a disciple to be one who makes disciples hey I've seen it work a little differently but ordinarily that's the case it's the cart, the cart after the horse I'll get that right in a minute good we we talked a lot recently about the three component components of cultivate community. Uh, do you remember what the three components are? The triangle, family, disciple, missionary. Hey, good. <laughs> you have to keep trying to remember that in our heads. So all of those aspects are important, but growing in discipleship, I feel, is easily left behind. We have a responsibility to grow as disciples. You know, sometimes it's easier to actually pursue Serving or helping others or becoming a closer family than in taking responsibility for growing in Christ. Because discipleship is fundamental, isn't it? It's the Great Commission. So sometimes we can dismiss growing as a disciple of Jesus. We can somehow say it's self-serving. It's, it's, perhaps it's, we claim it's about me or self-seeking. It's a convenient excuse, I think. We need to take seriously our responsibility to be those that are growing in Christ and in discipleship. And, and Paul rates that very highly, and we'll come to that in a moment, because the immature are easily deceived and their faith becomes a shipwreck. And he knows that. We'll see that shortly. So how are we going to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Uh, Maybe that's a question you've been considering in a a Cultivate community group. Maybe it's something that God has been pressing on your heart recently. You know, we've had some groups, I think, recently that have decided that they should pursue this as a key area and are doing some things specifically to focus on that, growing as disciples. Let's take another look at that verse, though, that's up there um so then just as you received christ jesus as lord continue to live in him i want you to think back for a moment to when you were first a christian i know for some of you that's easier than others because some of you had a uh, an experience where one day you were not a christian and the next day you felt you were and others you've kind of grown into it but think back to when you were first a christian when you first received christ and were aware of the personal relationship that you have with god what was that like how did that feel i remember being amazed i remember being amazed that i had a heavenly father who cared about me who wanted to be part of my life moment by moment my life insignificant as it was and despite all of my mess-ups and faults and misbehaviors, he cared about me. He wanted me. That this was shattering to my life at that time. How do we come to Christ? What was our attitude? I have the most famous verse in the Bible next, in case you can't answer that question. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his, own, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We believed, right? That's how it was at the beginning. We believed, yeah? John 5.24 says, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. He has eternal life. Believe. So, how does a young child behave in receiving new ideas? You know, we've been talking about my uh, my grandson earlier, and we enjoy watching him explore and learn. You know how he, um, he uh, wants to explore everything around him, and then he goes to a dangerous object, and you say no, and you pull him away, and then he goes straight back again. And, and then we go on, and we go on and on, and you go, back. no, no seems like a taunt somehow, I don't know. Um, y- young children, they explore, they soak up knowledge, and they trust what they're told, and they're full of trust, and wonder at new things, and they believe. And sometimes, and I say this knowing that you're all adults, sometimes we just need to get back to that and stop daring to think we've grown out of it. But God is calling us to believe, to simply believe. We don't grow up in God's eyes anyway. I don't don't feel that we do. What are we compared with God? We may feel older, we may feel more mature, but we're still children to him. And our joy of life shouldn't be jaded. It should be the same because of our relationship with him. So let's do that. Let's focus on believing and receiving him. Behaving as we did when we received him. Living him, continue to live in him. As therefore you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so live in him. And I think as well, if we want to become serious about being a disciple and making disciples um, we should most likely you should look to form a discipleship relationship with one or two others to form a mentor relationship with one person or perhaps a small group of folk to help you grow to have somebody that that helped you like Ray helped me um, many years ago some thought to that because I think the way that we interact nowadays we 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 don't get too close sometimes we want to stay a healthy distance and to grow as disciples you need help and that requires transparency and and I know some of you have have experienced that uh, recently the way that that works you need somebody to help you grow You need to have someone that you can be transparent with. Is there somebody around you that's like that? That maybe you need to say, Lord, look, look, why don't you come and help me with this? Or just to let them know that you need help in discipling and you'd you'd be keen for that. Have you asked them perhaps? Have you given them permission to speak into your life and challenge you when you need it? In many cases, we need to think clearly about discipling and to find somebody around us who can help us. And that way we help each other, you know, because we're helping and we're being helped. And then uh, verses uh, 6 and 7, they go on to encourage us to be rooted and built up in him. So what does it mean to be rooted and built up in him? Well, we have, um, we have our Cultivate logo to remind us. I like that tree, although I think its roots could go deeper. I don't know who drew that. Um, (laughs) I feel like the roots should go further down than the. Okay. Um, Deep roots, rich fruit. That's been our mantra for for since the beginning. Okay, so uh, we know that we need to be rooted in Him. In this verse. um, It talks about rooted as a plant, sending down our roots to draw resources from God. And it also talks about being built up, which that word is more about a human intervention, a building, a house, something involving human effort. So we're built up into him. Spiritual growth is taking place by the inner working of God, but with the help of others and deep roots built up rich fruit. Oh dear, I've just added something to the middle now. Built up okay. So together we need to figure out what that means for us. How we get those roots down. And it's about discipleship and it's about us growing in discipleship. It's about us drawing closer to Christ. Having a a more daily, hourly, minute-by-minute relationship with him? Maturity. The, the next part of the verse in Colossians 2, 6, it talks about being strengthened in the faith. Sorry, strengthened in the faith. What What does maturity look like? What are the characteristics of a mature believer in Christ? If you think about a mature believer in Christ, what word comes to mind? Paul, a person. All right? Running. Steadfast. Okay, thank you. What was that? Reliance on God. All right, good. Trust, communion with God faith yeah we talked about believing earlier faith believe yes a mature believer. words wisdom it's a good one in Christ sorry I like that one. humility yes. joy and thankfulness so you're moving on already good <laughs> there's a sorry there's a, there's a verse that um that comes to my mind which um brings up the 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 uh, point of humility um it's in is Isaiah saying it. It says this this is the one whom I esteem he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word so there's humility there, but there's also obedience. Yeah. Good with people. That's good. So Paul is very concerned that these believers are built up and strengthened. And he's concerned because there are threats. And I'm not going to spend a long time on those. But he talks about fine-sounding arguments. He talks about deceptive philosophy, things that depend on human tradition, on the basic principles of, of this world. And, you know, if you're meeting as a group this week, maybe there's some of the things you could talk about is what are they? What are the prisons that the devil can use to trap us in and not let us see the fullness of Christ? But he wants us to grow so that we're mature and we recognize those and the word of Christ exposes them and and removes them there are many influences in the world around us that we have to be careful of. And in Christ, we have the deep truth that reveals those deceptions and and those traps in our hearts. So he wants to expose those, to expose those deceptions and and empty philosophies. Then lastly, what he says is overflowing with thankfulness, and you came to that. Overflowing with thankfulness. I have to work on that one. Yeah, you can laugh if you want. I, have to <laughs> I strive to be thankful, but not always. So, overflowing with thankfulness. And why not? Why would those who have had the mystery of Christ revealed to them not be overflowing with thankfulness? How could that be? He gives us new life, new birth, a new relationship with God. There's nothing else that we should be except overflowing with thankfulness. So this morning, I want to encourage you to focus on Christ. That we have far more in Christ than we have grasped. More to experience, more to enjoy, more to be thankful about, more to understand. And to let that be the mystery that lifts you from the traps and the prisons that you might find around you and to really grasp hold of him, to believe in him and to help each other to make disciples. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him and strengthen in the faith just as you were taught. Overflowing, just as you were taught, overflowing with faithfulness. It occurs to me as I'm going through as well that there might be someone um, here this morning who hasn't reached the beginning of that verse. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, that you haven't received him yet. So you haven't made the first step. And God is calling you in your heart to make that step, to receive him to believe in him to to find that relationship with him that he wants with you so if that's you this morning then receive him believe so that's what I have for you this morning let's pray together and then let's respond in uh, worship and uh, in taking bread and wine together let's pray